Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick. It's a gorgeous day outside. Sun is shining, blue skies, and leaf blowers are blowing, or whatever these guys are doing outside. <laughs> That's the downside of, of nice weather. It is people start making noise outside their doors. So if there's a bit of a whining sound in the background, like... <laughs> It's been doing that for most of the morning. I'll try to talk over it, but Noel, just in case you're wondering what that sound is. It's not my equipment. Hey, I want to welcome you back to another episode. This is going to be the first one of the new month. I hope it's going to be a great month. I definitely think for me, personally, it's going to be a very adventurous uh, uh, month, but I'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to all my new patrons over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Every month, the community keeps growing. And at the beginning of each month, I want to welcome all these new people that have uh, become part, well, they're not new people because a lot of you have already been listening to this podcast for a long time, but they have decided to uh, to join the community. And uh, so I want to welcome them. Alma Barocchio Huerta, I hope I pronounced that name correctly. Welcome. And Colin Anderson also joined the community. Eileen Backhoven is, uh, is new to the Patreon community. Isaac Cortez, Mariska, Tom Mueller, and Libby Rodriguez. Welcome and thank you so much for joining the club and for helping me accomplish my mission and most importantly for your feedback uh, because that's one of the treasures uh, of, of this community is they give me so much uh, so many of their thoughts, ideas, feedback, sometimes even pushback when I'm endeavoring into adventures that may not be that useful. Um, so it is so much fun to do this, to make these shows, make these programs and videos um, with other people, with a, with a whole community of co-producers. So check it out at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Well, a first step in a larger world, that's definitely going to be the case for me this month. I will be traveling for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. I will leave my country behind. Oh, I've missed those trips. I'm going to Rome. I will be uh, in Rome for eight days, which is longer than I than I even thought was possible. Um, I'm going to be staying in the German College, not far from Termini Station. Uh, so that is a really nice top, you know, central location uh, for exploring the city. Um, also a noisy location because there's a lot of traffic there. But uh, I'll I'll just make sure I've got earplugs with me. But I'm looking forward to spending a week in, in beautiful Rome. Hopefully it will also be uh, nice weather. And then immediately after that, I will travel to the United States, uh, among other things, for the Star Wars celebration. So I will be there for a couple of weeks. And uh, it's, it's going to be, I think, such a huge input of new experiences, new stories to tell and share with you, and uh, hopefully also meeting a lot of new friends. Um, it is 
it's going to be. I'm going to have a blast. And, and I'm sure that next month you will be able to see some of the results of all the work that I'm going to do during those trips because I'm not going there just for leisure. I'm also going to film. And so um, I, I'm, I'm eager to tell some stories while I'm there. But that's all for later. Um, I've already filmed a new documentary uh, in a... In, in Elfia, which is a kind of a fantasy country <laughs> that uh, suddenly comes into existence around a beautiful castle in the western part of the Netherlands. And I was going there to with, with one question, and that is how do all these fantasy stories that people are so excited about, and that's what drives them to uh, a fantasy convention like that, how did those stories impact their lives? And so I was interviewing people about the kind of intersection between between storytelling and 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 the choices in life that people make. And I think it is it turned out so much better than I than I thought it would. Uh, I've had really great conversations, and I I'm eager to to start editing that. I'm also it, um, in the final stages of editing the Scotland the two Scotland uh, documentaries. Um, I'm I'm hoping that I'll be able to finish that before I go to Rome and otherwise I'll, I'll finish it when I'm done traveling but it would be nice to uh, share at least one of those two with you uh, in the short run at least with the patrons that have made this possible uh, and uh, once we share the second documentary the first one will become available to all the patrons so um, the, the higher tier patrons have uh, exclusive, uh, like early access to the documentaries because they've been investing in, in these documentaries. So it can, kind of makes sense to show it to them first. And then uh, we have the kind of this staggered release that once the next documentary is ready, then the first becomes available to, uh, to all the patrons. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on, on what I made. But you will be notified if you're one of my patrons and you'll get a message um, that will tell you where you can watch the, the fruits of, of all this hard work. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Uh, what, I, what I noticed uh, when uh, I was at Elfia was how much it helped me to use the format that I have been developing for, for my TV work for three years now. Um, to apply that to an English language, like an international production. Um, it, it made it so much easier to just go ahead and film because I, I master that format. I know how to film it. I know what I need in terms of ingredients. Uh, so like B-roll, what kind of interviews I want, what kind of questions I need to ask. It's, it's like the experience of interviewing people for my Dutch show has helped me tremendously to ask the right questions so I can get to the personal level. Because it's like if I only ask, hey, why are you here? Oh, because it's fun and because of the music. Uh, but I've learned to pry a little bit more and to also sometimes to sh just shut up. It's, a, it's amazing what will happen if you stop asking questions, but you keep the camera rolling and you keep looking at them, and then people will just start all of a sudden going to the next level in terms of what they are sharing, and it becomes more more intimate, more personal. Um, it, it was really great to see that the techniques that I've learned over the years can now be applied to international productions as well, and it makes the entire endeavor so much more uh, practical, this is a huge change from what we did in, in Scotland, where it was 
kind of upside down in terms of production. And I think that has, has to do with the fact that we didn't have a format. We didn't really know what we were doing. Uh, we know where we wanted to go and what we wanted to see, but we didn't have enough time to prepare um, the overall storyline, the overall format of each episode. And so we had to do that afterwards. That's why it's taken so long to put these documentaries together because it's basically uh, a huge narrative effort after you've already filmed and then you discover that it's very tricky to use the material that you've shot but also to to not have some of the stuff that you do need for the story you want to tell afterwards you can't go back or at least i can't go back easily to scotland to to do some like uh uh what you call that in 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 movies they do that all the time you've got pickup shots so once they are editing the movie, that's where they discover, hell, oh, that line doesn't really work, or we need a little bit of extra exposition. Let's call the actors back, and we still have the sets, and we'll just let them do these few scenes. This happened a lot for in Star Wars. If you look at The Phantom Menace, for instance, it's funny. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it. Uh, Ewan McGregor, of course, plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, a young Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he is visiting the planet Naboo with Qui-Gon Jinn. And there is this first meeting with Jar Jar. If you look carefully, you will notice that in some of the shots, Obi-Wan Kenobi has different hair. And in fact, it's a wig. Because this is a pickup shot. They they discovered that what they wanted to, to film or this didn't really work. It was something with Jar Jar. I forgot. Ex- I think it... I think Obi-Wan Kenobi at one point was already engaging in, in uh, fighting the battle droids and the, they it, it, while editing they felt that that is too early it's, it, it, it kind of detracts from meeting Jar Jar so we need to cut that out but we still need to explain why he has wet hair or something like that and anyway his hair just changes from one scene to another and you can clearly tell that it's not the same hair and that's because it's a pickup shot. So in, in movies, it is very, very common to do that. Um, but in documentary filming, you basically rely on what happens there and then. And you can't go back and say, hey, I, uh, gosh, I need to ask this guy a few more questions. Because in the meantime, the season has changed. The, the, the entire environment, especially if you film outside like we did, is has changed. So, so uh, yeah, it's... I noticed while doing this this Elfia documentary focusing on my usual format that it helped me so much to to film with confidence and to know after two days that I had everything and more to finish the 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 entire documentary. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. If you've been following me on uh, on the Discord server as a patron, or if you follow me on social media, you may have seen occasionally that I was posting videos about uh, uh, Japanese anime. Uh, <laughs> this is because I've been uh, growing on, on TikTok quite quickly, and f- I don't even remember how I got 
to on how I was inspired to go watch this anime series, but I did. I think it was just one of the people that followed me on TikTok that said, "Hey, you should check this out if you're looking for religious elements." Um, there are a lot in this particular series, so I googled it and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." So it's a uh, I do a series of videos where I uh, analyze the religious imagery. And it's basically just imagery. The, the makers were Japanese and they were not Christian. They had no Christian background. But they thought that a lot of the symbols in Catholicism, like crosses and uh, halos and angels, etc., looked cool. And they wanted to set themselves apart from other, you know, robot attack animated series that were all the rage in Japan in, in the 90s by using this religious imagery. But the funny thing is, over time, while they were making that series, they started to read up on things, and then they were like, oh, that's interesting. We, we can integrate this into the story. And it, so more and more, the more they learned about Catholicism and about the, the meaning of those symbols, the more they were inspired to integrate some of those elements in the story. Now, it still doesn't make that a Catholic story. Uh, absolutely not. It's also really not for kids um, because there's a lot of kind of mature... Uh, content there's a lot of also psychological stuff in there it's about depression um so definitely not something for kids to watch but very interesting to analyze and uh and of course for me a reason to talk about all those those catholic concepts of angels and uh adam and eve and and and, and all that uh and apparently that just worked the the series itself is called neon genesis evangelion and uh, it actually was uh, republished by uh, by Netflix. So this this series originally was made in 1995. The uh, creator of the series had just suffered from a major depression that made him a, a lock in for four years. And this was his first project after more or less recovering. Although I, I wonder if he truly recovered from, from, from the depression that was still lingering in the background. And he used a lot of his, his experiences during those four years, which were horrible, uh, as an element of the story. So the, the main character is a 14-year-old old boy. Um, and, and this takes place in a post-apocalyptic uh, Japan. The city of Tokyo has been destroyed by a big disaster in the past, and then there was a second city that they built. But the reason for the destruction was an attack by huge robots um, that they call angels for some kind of reason, and they all all have Hebrew names. Interesting, and 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 so this this boy uh, is one of the f- uh, few kids that are able to pilot these mega uh, robots. Think of uh, Pacific Rim, if you remember that movie. That is exactly the same genre of, of, of storytelling here with big robotic m- monsters that can only be piloted by young people that, for some reason, have the neurological capability to interface with these big droids. And then they have to fight these these angels, these, these, other, these monsters um, that emerge from the sea. But at the same time, this 14-year-old boy is very depressed, very lonely. He struggles with, with relationships, and there's all sorts of stuff, like a lot of teen drama happening there. Um, and, and, and then the, the more the series advances, the weirder it gets, and the more it becomes almost a, a, a metaphor of what's happening inside his mind. And 
the last two episodes, apparently, I haven't seen them yet, are really, really out there. It's it's very much an almost symbolic, sim, totally symbolic story about depression and what it does to you, and and how also how you can get out of it. Uh, for me, that's super interesting. But a lot of my followers are like, "Wow, a priest is watching this. This is either it is you know you're just reading way too much into this action series." Um, so. It's way over the top, trying to find Christian meaning in this. Or people are like, but you are a priest, you shouldn't be watching this because further down the road in these episodes, you're going to be so shocked and it's so scandalous and this is not for priests. And and it's usually I get that feedback from from kids uh, and, and younger people that have had a religious education um, sometimes in evangelical context or Baptist context or context or even, even Protestant or Catholic. And, and they remember how their parents or pastor kind of was was ranting about this these, these superficial evil movies and tv shows that you should not watch and you would go to hell etc so they are like what wait 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 what there's this priest who's explaining neon genesis evangelion to me what dimension have i <laughs> landed in <laughs> what kind of alternate world is this so i'm having a lot of fun and and for me it's a uh, the introduction to a whole new genre of animated series. I've never really watched anime. Um, I remember trying sampling a few of those series because they were on Netflix and also in the beginning at least uh, Prime Video used to have a few animated series. But it, it was just such so weird oftentimes and, well, very cheap animation um, because they were paying. And back then the animation was still done by hand. And they would have a budget for the the amount of cells that were drawn. A cell is a transparent piece of plastic on which the the animator draws the, the characters, and then you have a background. But every single frame, you got to keep in mind, every second of an animated series usually has between twelve to twenty four frames. Every frame has to be hand-drawn. That is why animated animation is so expensive, or used to be very expensive. Of course, later on, with the advent of, of CGI uh, uh, animation, you could animate much more easily. The computer would would uh, take care of, of delivering the final frames, and it was all digital. But back then, they were sometimes using frames that's why these japanese animated series often have that very distinctive style where you see this face and it it just like the background just moves in order to create motion or suggest motion but there's nothing happening to the because you're just watching at this one drawing this one cell they do this a lot in neon genesis evangelion with uh, with elevators so you see these people and it's just one drawing of uh, the main characters and then in the background you see these lines going up it's like the, the elevators in Star Trek, you know. It's just a light that goes up and down. And there's just one camera filming uh, the, the crew members that are standing in basically a set piece. They do that here too. And then with the voiceovers, with the dubbing, that's where they have an entire conversation. But that can last for five minutes. Well, I'm exaggerating, but for a long time. It's just a way to economize. And then later down the road when they were filming this series or producing this series, that their budget got more and more restricted. So towards the end, it, it, they almost had to skip the fights with the robots and get much more like super symbolic and weird and strange. Basically, it was also a way to save a lot of money because they could only afford an, a certain number of cells. 
But that's just the background information. What I like about this particular series is, even though I, in the past I could never really connect with this kind of storytelling and it felt so superficial and it's always about big robots and, uh, you know, it's just for kids. But this is just, there's so much symbolism. And even though a lot of those symbols may be there just because they looked cool, they do carry meaning. And there is something I can say about it. Plus, as a Catholic... I can talk about anything. As long as it's a story, as long as there are people that make choices, I can connect it with the Bible and with faith because faith and Bible, that's all about stories that help us to make the right choices. So that's why it's, it's for me, so easy to connect Star Wars or any type of series or movie with, with my faith because ultimately we're all struggling with the same questions in life. What is our purpose? What is the fight between, you know, good and bad and darkness and light? Um, and, and my only job is to make the right connections and show them, hey, what you see here, that resembles what I read in the Bible here. And then that's all. I leave it at that, and then it's up to the, pe- the, the, pe- the people that follow me to, you know, start exploring. But what I try to do is to show them that the Bible is not this foreign book in a strange language that has nothing to say to us today. No, the Bible has a ton of things to say because we don't change. People don't change over time. The, it, the culture changes, yes. The language changes, but not the choices, not the, not the issues that we face, not the, the fights that we fight. That has been the same for as long as mankind exists. And for me, it's a huge challenge to to explore this world of Japanese anime for relevant comparisons and, 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 and try to build that bridge over and over again. <laughs> Catholics rock! It's time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. This is a place where you can ask anything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Because I'm growing so fast on TikTok and I got so much feedback of that new community, people do ask me a ton of questions about Catholicism. (laughs) Man... You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. And what I particularly appreciate is that because I'm talking about Japanese anime, I seem to be not the standard idea that they have of a priest, or I don't, I don't correspond to the uh, stereotype. They do ask me the weirdest questions. It's like a lot. This is why I don't have never believed this idea that that young people are not interested in faith. They're super interested in it. They want to know a ton of things. It's just no one who speaks their language. And so I get the weirdest questions. And I just want to highlight one of them, which was like, whoa, I don't think anyone has ever asked me this before. And that was, uh, Father Roderick, what do you think of Satanism? What? (laughs) Is that even a thing? Uh, So there are quite a few uh, younger people there that have tons of questions about the devil, about Satan, about Satan worship, about exorcisms. Is that real? Uh, Some of them are clearly fascinated by Satanism or by this whole idea that that, that there is this cult of Satan. And, And so this question was interesting because I always wonder immediately, where does this question come from? And I think it's ultimately oftentimes it's curiosity. There's something they see 
uh, elements of this in movies, uh, and they, they 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 are much more intrigued by that than by the gospel stories they heard in church when they were kids, because that always seemed to go over their heads, and it was kind of boring, and then the the homily or the, the sermons were boring, and the, the songs were were just not not their music, etc. Whereas, you know, whenever the devil is there in these movies, it's always exciting. There's always something happening. There are mysterious powers. The, 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 the stories of exorcisms and, and like, devil stuff, it, it, it makes them, I think, interested or at least curious about, like, wow, there's this whole world that we can't see. Would it be, is it real? Can I have access to that world as well? This, of course, is also... I think, in 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 a certain way, uh, a mirror for us who work in <laughs> more conventional types of worship, <laughs> who do, do kind of have a, a a bit of an apprehension whenever the the Satan is mentioned. Um, haven't we lost a lot of that mystical side of our faith? Also, in the way that we celebrate it, our our, our liturgy, our preaching, do we? Do we even acknowledge that there is this spiritual dimension, that our faith is also a, a faith about heaven, about angels, about the spiritual world? We rarely talk about that. It almost feels like we're, we're a bit of shame to address it. Look at all these attempts to kind of reason away the devil as if it's, oh, that's just a metaphor for our uh, evil thoughts or whatever or, or an ex- externalization of the evil that is in us, etc. But that is not what the Catholic Church professes and believes. Uh, the, the, the part of the doctrine of the Catholic Church is that angels are real and have to be taken seriously because Jesus does. Jesus always talks about the devil, about angels, the Bible, the New Testament talks about all these realities, not as just a metaphor, but as you know, something that is part of reality, of creation. And the, the doctrine about angels, which I've, by the way, explained to in, in one of my TikTok videos to the you know, link to, to, to one of these episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. The idea uh, of the Christian doctrine on angels is that angels are pure spirits. We are a mix. We have both a spirit, but we also have a body. And that is both our integral part of who we are. You cannot separate the soul from the body. The body that's why we believe in the resurrection also of our bodies. Not just uh, the afterlife is not just us floating around like like angels. That's what we, how we paint it, but that's not real, and it's actually a heresy to say that, because we won't, we will never be angels. Our soul needs a body, and the resurrection is is part of that restoration of who we are meant to be by God. But it will be a glorified body, no longer under the influence of the consequences of original sin, not decaying, that there will be no more death or illness. But body and soul will is part of our future. That makes it different from angels that are pure spirits. Because they have no body, they are also outside of time, but they do have a free will. And so they can choose for God or against him, just like Adam and Eve were able to choose against God. However, because angels are timeless, that choice is immediate and eternal. For angels, there is no way back. Once they've chosen to turn away from God, there is 
they will basically be outside of God because God respects their freedom just as much as he respects us. But in because we are part of time, he's trying to win us back. But angels are outside of time. So their choice is, is definitive and eternal. That is why angels that have turned against God are called demons, devils. The devil is a fallen angel. The devil is a creature, and that's the difference be- between Satanism, the worship of the devil, and faith, the worship of God. Because God is our creator. He is not a creation. He is not a creature. But the devil, when you, when you worship the devil, you're worshiping a creature, just like you are a creature. That is, of course, the last thing that you should do. That is, that is worshiping... Uh, a, a creature that that as if it is a god, which of course is a huge offense against against God. Uh, plus, you're worshiping someone who only pretends to have power, but who is already bound by the limitations because of of Jesus' victory over evil and death. Jesus has already won the battle against evil. There's just this this kind of in-between time before the end of times that that, that the devil and his fellow fallen spirits have a, a certain amount of influence in this world, but it's very, very limited. So if you're... What do I think of Satanism? You're wasting your time. You're, you're worshipping a loser, literally. The devil is the greatest loser in the world in creation. Because he has already lost. <laughs> he just lies and twists of truth to make us believe that that he that there is still a battle to win, but he has already lost. So if you're worshiping, worship, thinking of worshiping the devil, first of all, you're worshiping someone who is trying to subvert everything that you are made for. You're made to love. The only way to fu- be fully happy and to 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 reach your destination is by choosing love. And uh, the devil makes you believe that, that you can... It's like Vader and, and, and Palpatine in Star Wars. You know, join the dark side. because It's so easy. It gives you immediate power. And But uh, in the end, the dark side of the force is bound to lose over and over and over again. The balance will be restored. The light side will be stronger than the then the dark side and will defeat it and then balance will come and then of course the, the dark side will try again and then light the light will win again this is just a, 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 a story version of this current time that we live in where the devil seems to have some power but ultimately is a, is a loser so what do i think of satanism don't waste your time and then of course i think don't do it an <laughs> it's dangerous astrophysics last night pack it the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I want to talk about the book that I recently read uh, because it just turned up in my suggestions um, in, in, in the app that I use for audiobooks. And what I love about this, it, the book is called The Wall. And a lot of the reviews that I saw were not like super positive. Uh, in a sense, it's like three out of five stars mostly, and people said, yeah, this story doesn't go anywhere. But it wasn't a very long book to read, and I figured, I'm, I'm intrigued by the title, The Wall, and according to the blurb, um, which I will now read you uh, very briefly, 
this is something that reminded me of the wall in in Game of Thrones, but it happens in you know the kind of the present day or the near future. Here's the blurb: Ravaged by the change, the change. We don't know exactly what the change is, but it's some cataclysmic event that has uh, caused a lot of destruction. An island nation, and it's pretty clear that it's England, in a time very like our own, has built the wall, an enormous concrete barrier around its entire coastline. Joseph Cavanaugh, a new defender, has one task, so he's a soldier, to protect his section of the wall from the others. Uh, Who are the others? The desperate souls who are trapped amid the rising seas outside and are a constant threat. They want to get in. But the wall is there to keep everyone out. Failure in defending the wall will result in death or a fate perhaps worse being put to sea and made another himself. Beset by cold, loneliness and fear, Kavanaugh tries to fulfill his duties to his demanding captain and surgeon. A sergeant, even as he grows closer to his fellow defenders. A dark part of him wonders whether it would be interesting if something did happen, if they came, if he had to fight for his life. Now, it's a dystopian book, and I have to say, I was I was really entertained. It, it's a good story. It's What is interesting is that it doesn't give you any context. You're just on this wall. You're, you're stepping into the world of this soldier, and you gradually learn this about this very, very small world that his life has become. But you don't hear that much about how it got to this point in, in history. You don't know who these others are. But it's not relevant because this book focuses on what's happening inside the mind of this guy. And these days are terrible. It's just like you're, you're standing there for hours and hours in the bitter cold and the rain. And then nothing ever happens. You're just there for just in case something will happen. And then he's like so bored out of his mind that at one point he's like, oh, but man, I hope that they will attack. And then <laughs> they go through these exercises and that gets very exciting because at, at least, you know, this training, these these they do these these scenarios where they one group of soldiers has to play the attackers and the others the defenders. So it's kind of like a... Uh, what is it, uh, like a laser um, war game. And uh, and then he's super excited by that. And he's like, oh, wow, I'm so, I, you see, life can be exciting. And then, of course, uh, at one point in the story, everything goes haywire and it becomes real. And it turns out that the reality of war is not as entertaining as he thought it would be. Uh, so I think it's a fascinating, almost like, like a character piece. And in... in, in And in a way, it's also this was written uh, around the time of when there was when there was a lot of discussion in England about Brexit. And so in a certain way, and it's not explicit, but this book is also kind of a reflection of that whole. Yeah, we need to build a wall around our island. We don't need Europe. We don't need the world. We can be self-sufficient, but making building a wall because you're afraid of the menace of the outside world has a pretty bad side effect. It will isolate you and you will have to protect that wall. And and the rest of the world becomes an enemy, something that threatens you. So it changes the whole dynamic between you and the world outside. And you start to miss the world outside of your wall. In in that respect, once I started, when I, once I'd finished the, the book, I was 
continue to think about that. And it's like, wow, this is actually quite, quite a pertinent story in our times. So again, the book is called The Wall, written by John Lanchester. And you can find my review of the book on my Goodreads page. Just look for Father Roderick. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. You know that the Perseverance helicopter is still flying around. Who could have thought? <laughs> Nobody, certainly not the, the, the team that was uh, meant to just execute execute a few test flies but the thing is still flying and now it has taken pictures that are spectacular namely pictures of the debris of the shielding of the mars perseverance rover when the perseverance uh, uh, vehicle entered atmosphere it of course had to be protected and so there was this outer hull um, that had to resist the, the heat and the friction of entering the atmosphere. And then after the deployment of the parachutes, um, that part of the, of the craft landed and crashed, basically, in, uh, on Mars. And we've, we've never been able to see that before, certainly not from the sky. But now they flew the helicopter to take pictures of the debris from above. And you're like, this looks like a science fiction movie thing unbelievable and of course there's not much scientific value to this other than maybe they can examine so so how did that crash and how far was it and what's the state of the material so there is maybe something to learn from from this photo um for future uh vehicles because of course they want to go to to mars they want to go back to mars and retrieve the samples the the, the earth samples that are now being collected by the perseverance and then get them back to Earth, which is super exciting. We've never done that before. Um, but for me, the, the, it's just a fascination that we've got a drone flying around on Mars and taking these photos in a way that we've never seen before. And all that with so much distance between us and Mars. It just gives you an idea of the scope of, of, if only of our solar system, and at the same time, how much technology can help us bring that world closer to us, so close that you look at that photo and you think, man, I've only seen stuff like this in, in movies that we filmed here on Earth. Unbelievably cool. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There is one more thing. I've been wanting to plug in a new device for years. As you know, I've got an old PC that I use for editing, and it was getting really slow, and I notice it specifically when I'm filming in 4K, and then I have to... Uh, sample that down to vertical video for TikTok. It, it, it just, I can't even browse the timeline. The computer stutters and freezes, and it is a pain. And uh, I, I knew that, I, that it was time for a new computer. And then, of course, the big question is, but what kind of computer? I was very much uh, intrigued by the power of the new M1 uh, chips that, that Apple launched uh, in 2020. And they put them in almost all their computers now. The 
the Mac Studio that they uh, presented uh, not so long ago have like very fast versions of that M1 chip. And at first I was like, yeah, I'm going to get myself one of those Mac Studios to replace my my big desktop PC uh, because it has a lot of power. It has even specific parts of the chip for rendering video. So it is the perfect machine for video editors. And from what I could tell from the reviews, it is benchmarks show that it is faster than any other PC in, in, in the rendering of this stuff, unless you buy like a five, 6,000 euro PC. So it seemed like a pretty good deal. And then I thought, mm, but I'm going to do a lot of traveling. I'll be in Rome. I'll be in, in the United States. I still want to... I still have to produce my my online videos, my my vlogs, my my TikToks. I, I can't carry a ro- around a studio plus a monitor, so I need a laptop. Am I going to buy a studio a MacBook Studio for here at home or a laptop, or am I going to go for one of those new MacBook Pros that have the power of a Mac Studio, but then they're also portable? So I went to the store. I I kind of looked at those new MacBook Pros, and they are pretty impressive. They they have beautiful screens. Um, they're very fast. They've got 16 gigs of memory, and um, they've got built-in ports, which is also very, very nice. But they are very expensive. The cheapest MacBook Pro 14-inch is more than 2,000 euros. The other option would be to go with... Uh, with a MacBook Air. The first M1 MacBook Air came out towards the end of 2020. Um, And it was one of those ultra-portable laptops. And I've had a MacBook Air for years now. I think mine is from almost 10 years old, maybe older than 10 years. And I've always loved the fact that they're so lightweight and they're very slim. You almost forget that you're carrying them around. And so the, the... the M1 MacBook Air uh, that is from 2020 is now a lot cheaper than it ever used to be. Um, and so there was a sale. I could buy it for 929 That's less than half the price of the MacBook 14-inch. And the screen is just a tad smaller. Um, from the benchmarks, it showed that, yes, the MacBook Pro is faster, but definitely not twice as fast. It's more like, hmm... 20% faster, uh, at least compared to the M1 MacBook Air. So for my tasks, there would be a slight difference, but it's half the, less than half the price. Plus, the other thing, the MacBook Pros are great, great MacBooks, but they're kind of heavy. Um, the 14-inch is still feasible. It's a bit bulky. The 16-inch, which would be ideal for editing, is twice as heavy, more than twice as heavy compared to the MacBook Air. And so I, I literally closed the lid and tried to carry that around in the store. It's like, this is t- so heavy. Yeah, the, great if you take it with you in a, in a you know, big suitcase. But I carry usually with, I, I only use carry-on luggage. So the lighter it is, the better it is for me because I travel light. I always travel light. It's part of how I make video. So I, I was so tempted by the MacBook Air finally decided, you know what? Yeah, there are a lot of disadvantages to the MacBook Air. It doesn't have an HDMI HDMI out. I'll probably need a dongle for a lot of the stuff that I want to do. But it's super lightweight and super cheap. And the resale value of, of MacBooks is very, very good. So even if I only use it for a year or two, 
I can still sell it and recoup two-thirds of the price easily. So I decided to go with the MacBook Air. The thing is, they made a mistake in the in the store. So I ordered it online, and then I need to, of course, have the receipt where it says that it is a business purchase. So it needs the, the certain certain data on it, and they gave me the wrong receipt with the wrong information. Not enough for 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 taxes uh, and for the, our own administration. And so I went back and forth with these stores, like. I need this receipt. And then, uh, they sent me another one with uh, additional errors. I'm like, guys, please, I need this information. on." And so I've been going back and forth for, for two, three days now. I'm getting so sick and tired of this. And, and, and it really made me regret not buying with Amazon because <laughs> you can say a lot of bad things about Amazon, but their customer service is top notch. Whereas this store, man, is almost every time I... I try and and this is just a mistake that they made. They treat me as if I'm just hurting their business. If I am I am the bad guy, you know, they have to do effort for me. I was like, you messed up. Uh and while I'm waiting for the right receipt, I don't want to open. I don't want to plug in this device because if I don't get the right receipt, I'll have to bring it back. I am not going to uh, label this as a personal purchase because it's not. It's it's for the work that I do, and uh, so I'm I'm still waiting. I hope I can use. I can. I hope they sent me the right receipt. If they don't, if I have to ask for another time, I'm just going to bring it back, and then I have to reevaluate if I still want that MacBook Air because the sale is over, so I won't be able to get it for the same price. So I'll I'll keep you, I'll keep you informed what I end up buying. But man, online purchases, it is sometimes <laughs> really not worth it. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. For those of you that are my patrons, um, there will be uh, an ep- another episode of Father Roderick to the Max. And I've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. I will uh, talk about the importance of cardio. I'll give you my recipe for kiwis in the air fryer. Um, I'll explain a little bit more how I'm growing my TikTok community. And we have to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, of course. I'll give you a a link to an app that helps you play board games and learn the rules. And then I'll wrap things up with uh, an inspirational thought. That's the format of Father Roderick to the Max, available to all my patrons over at patreon.com slash Father Roderick. See you there, or I'll see you next week. Bye.